0: Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3 on this Thursday afternoon. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined in the studio by finance presenter
1: JP. Ong. Following in the wake of Wall Street closing in the red and falling, we saw the S&P 500 last night uh, closing four point four percent in the red. NASDAQ also falling by about half a percent. And this has bled into uh, markets here across the region, including here in Singapore. The Straits Times index has now fallen by 1.9%. That's a 47.5 point a decline. And one of the bigger ones we've seen in the last couple of weeks, 2,513. So we're coming back to that 2,500 level. And we have seen again, so we've noticed like this has been the trading range again, 2,500, 2,600 mm-hmm, is where we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, if we start to test those levels again, if we start to see a, a sudden recovery. There are a few local factors that are actually weighing on the STI among these cor- the bigger corporates on the Straits Times Index. But let's take a closer, a broader look at how the rest of the region is shaping up. And you're right, it is a wall of red across major equity indices. The Nikkei 225 set to close or looking set to close at least 1% in the red that's a, that's a 231 point slide for japanese stocks on the tokyo benchmark the ASX 200 also down by 0.9% there are mounting tensions this time between australia and china china the other day beijing the other day initiating a probe into possible dumping allegations of dumping of australian wine in China. Um, and Australia seems to have, uh, uh, in, in turn, also uh, also decided today that they are planning to oppose the takeover by Mengniu Dairy, which is one of China's largest dairy companies, of Lion Dairy, also partially owned by Kirin of Japan. And, you know, they, they haven't really c- cited why they've decided to do that, but they have hinted at possible national security risks uh, be- behind this. But this might not smoothen relations between Canberra and Beijing. And thus, you're also seeing just a little bit of a headwinds hitting Australia. Australia's ASX 200 today. The South Korean Kospi today falling by 3%. There is news that South Korea is continuing to battle a new, a fresh outbreak of COVID-19 cases in Seoul, and this at least weighing on sentiment out in South Korea. We have the Taiwan-weighted stock exchange also falling by 3.5% today. A lot of this in the tech space also. Basically, you're seeing a lot of these chip manufacturers and semiconductor makers in Taipei also feeling the brunt. There are worries that if the US and, and China continue to to decouple, especially with regards to tech, especially with regards to the pressures that the U.S. is trying to exert on Huawei. This will then weigh on these chip makers. It will force chip makers in South Korea and in Taiwan to choose between whether or not they want to continue to patronize and service and supply Chinese chip makers or stay with U.S. counterparts. and They run the risk of, of being excluded or restricted from using U.S. technology in making these microchips. So you're seeing Taipei and, and, and South Korea today bearing the brunt, really falling by three and a half percent each. Shanghai and Shenzhen down by about zero point nine percent and one point two percent each. You've got the Hang Seng in Hong Kong also falling by about two percent. So a lot of this is also being influenced by um, the uh, proverbial pouring of cold water by the Federal Reserve on a possible on a swift economic recovery. They have said that the economic outlook remains uncertain. They believe that there needs to be fresh stimulus injected by the fiscal policymakers in the U.S. and across the the world. Of course, it's also highlighting that the U- U.S. lawmakers have not yet clinched or agreed to another round of fiscal stimulus out uh, uh, for the world's largest economy. And this also perhaps prompting stocks in, in on Wall Street to pull back after the S&P 500 reached an all-time high. Some profit taking, um, taking place also. And also this uh, renewed reminder that there's still a lot of uncertainties out there. And that's been weighing across the Asia-Pacific today. We highlighted a number of those possible um, headwinds that each of these markets in the Asia-Pacific are facing. And Singapore, as we mentioned today, down by 1.9%. The hits keep on rolling and the Straits Times Index keeps on tumbling. This is the fourth straight day that the STI is seeing losses. And it looks like this might be the biggest one this week.
0: From a geopolitical um, consideration, there is absolutely no reason for either the Democrats or the Republicans to come to a deal right now when Mm -hmm. they're so close to the next election. Yes,
1: and you know, they've both also hinted, in fact, the Democrats have hinted that they are willing to take on, uh, to make compromises. But remember that the original plan was $1 trillion from the Republicans. The Democrats came back with a $3.5 trillion Mm -hmm. stimulus bill. And you'd think that they would probably meet somewhere in the middle. But this time, if the stimulus deal is agreed to, they, uh, the White House has actually hinted that it might be closer to half a trillion dollars. So that's a significant step back. Yeah. Stimulus, nevertheless, which is still needed, but definitely not the same size as we've seen in recent in uh, recent months. And again, this also plays into perhaps uh, there are perhaps some political undertones also behind this. One of the big talking points whenever the U.S. election comes around also is how the budget is managed and whether or not voters will go with more fiscally conservative Republicans or Democrats who tend to favor more spending or bigger government. Government. Of course, there's a lot of other considerations that they have to weigh in on, including the COVID-19 pandemic and the response, mm-hmm. the deep recession, or one of the deepest downturns in the U.S., economic downturns since the Great Depression of the 19, uh, late 20s. I don't think either of us were alive during that time. Um, still, I think a lot of this will also come to a head in November. And you can see also a lot of the rhetoric starting to ramp up between both sides. Um, November, first week of November is going to be a very interesting week and something I think that's going to be the next big geopolitical marker for global markets.
0: Well, as far as the U.S. is concerned, it it harkens back to my childhood. Uh, From the time I was a little girl, I have always heard people say to me, Americans vote with their pocketbooks. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not unique to Americans. I think everyone in the world votes with their pocketbooks. But with the election so close, no one's going to give because the Democrats don't want to look soft. They do want to look like they're trying to make a deal. But do they want to actually look like they're soft? And of course, President Trump needs to look. Like he's larger and in charge. Right. So I don't know about whether or not you're going to see a stimulus package in the next weeks and how that's going to weigh in the market. It's going to be very interesting to see play out.
1: Well, absolutely. And a lot of economists have already pointed out that the massive stimulus bills that they've passed recently have already pretty much run dry already. And that would mean a lot of Americans who are depending on unemployment benefits, a lot of businesses that were hoping for these uh, support measures to keep from going under, this could actually start to weigh on them. And I think one of the big markers for the next two to three months really is to see what will now happen. Will companies start just put their hands up and say, you know what, we can't take it anymore. We'll have to let people go. We'll have to start mm-hmm. downsizing significantly because the stimulus that's kept us afloat, well, it's pretty much gone. the The well is dry. Um, we are sinking deeper into the down, and uh, we'll have to do do this. Then this could also mean a number of companies perhaps defaulting. Or even just missing credit payments, which will then re- unleash a whole new set of risks—default and, sol- and uh, solvency risks—that could also echo across the world. So, but as you mentioned, political pressures might actually keep the U.S. from coming to a possible deal, and this, I think, this might be the new maelstrom of uncertainty that we'll have to account for.
0: Unfortunately, it's already being felt today across Asia. The other, you were talking about internal pressures here in Singapore. I think now that we're starting to see. Structuring. We're starting to unfortunately see businesses cutting jobs. That's also going to weigh on um, market mm-hmm. sentiment here in Singapore.
1: Yes, uh, you know, well, like the uh, just the uh, just recently we also heard that uh, that CDL or City is Millennium Hotels and Resorts has cut 159 jobs, or about 15 percent of their Singapore-based workforce, uh, which follows early reduction in their foreign worker headcount. So this is a this is a new reduction and has seen. The number of foreign workers that employs down by 37% to 329 foreign employees. And with Wednesday's layoffs, 42 more have actually been made redundant. And they say it's because the economic fallout will obviously has hit the hotels hard. It's again highlighting the issue that, uh, that, you know, despite the fact that we're providing or the government here is providing a lot of support and stimulus measures to, to help and prop up some of these very hard hit sectors like aviation, aerospace, um, tourism, hotels, hospitality. Um, the fact of the matter is that uh, the underlying demand, or the or, or the ability. To uh, the ability to uh, provide these services. I mean, we've, we talked about this before the interview, before mm-hmm. the market view that the demand to travel, the demand to be, a, to, uh, for tourism services is there. It's just that we cannot do it at the moment. We can't take, partake we of We can't partake of any of it. And that's just not for, sing- that's not only in the case of Singapore, but for the rest of the world, which depend, these hotels depend on what, what I believe, was it, 90% of their uptake is from foreign inbound tourists. Um, you can provide all the stimulus you want to try and keep it afloat, to try to keep the Patient alive. I hate to use that uh, the, that analogy, but really, until you see some of the vital signs start to improve, um, it you might be forced as a business manager to make some of these hard decisions. And we're not doing this to pile in, not pile on you. We're not doing this to to try and uh, throw it in your face. But it is a. Uh, it is sobering also and uh, sobering to to note that, you know, a lot of these businesses are going to be facing these pressures and uh, some of the vital signs need to be managed or monitored, at least. No signs, though, of this uh lifting until the COVID-19 pandemic lets us do it.
0: Hence, the government's uh, push for now locals to be local tourists.
1: Yes. Will it do much? Uh, you know, maybe it will help improve things a little bit. Maybe it a touchdown. It couldn't hurt. OK, yeah. fine. It couldn't hurt. Uh, but uh, there's still a lot that needs to be addressed. Unfortunately, a lot of these, a lot of these circumstances are outside of our control. So, Mm -hmm. what do you do as a business manager? You manage what's in your control, and that's possibly making these very painful cost-cutting decisions, such as letting go of some of your employees, because you can't justify running your operations at that scale.
0: Absolutely. Now, aviation has been one of the industries that was one of the sectors that was identified to require more stimulus, more support for for a longer period. In DPM Heng's most recent, um, Mm -hmm. stimulus package. Unfortunately, it is tough times for the aviation
1: industry. Absolutely. Aviation. Airlines. I mean, we we saw that article today about how quickly emergency funds and the capital it can actually be spent to keep your business, your airline afloat. Singapore Airlines. They it was reported today that they burned through half of the 8.8 billion Singapore dollars that they ju- that they raised through those share sales a few months ago, and they burned through half of that in just two months. Of the 4.4 billion that they spent, apparently 1.1 billion was used on operating expenses, helping settle some of those maturing fuel hedging trades that weighed on their bottom line in the last fiscal. Quarter and ticket refunds, and also two billion dollars to repay a bridge loan facility. Um, you know, this was ho- it was the hope was that these eight point eight billion Singapore dollars would go a long way in making sure that Singapore Airlines was buffered and could meet some of their fixed costs and some of their expen- their fixed expenses while the uncertainty drags on. But if we're not going to see any any significant or material pickup in air travel until what the middle of next year, best case scenario, um, this uh, you know. You can you can just see how quickly and how, how quickly some of these buffers can and reserves can run out, and this might actually weigh not just on Singapore Airlines, but some of the other dependent industries such as aerospace, the ones who provide maintenance and repairs mm-hmm. for them. Also, um, Singapore Airlines down by about zero point eight percent today. They're trading at three dollars and fifty nine cents a piece. I'm actually surprised that Singapore Airlines is not the biggest loser on the STI, and not, and uh, you might even say it's not one of the biggest reasons why the STI has fallen so much. Today.
0: I found it rather interesting that before the lunch break, some of the biggest decliners were the banks.
1: Yes, the banks were pre- re- relatively big. But again, it brings us back to what those potential credit costs are going to be. If you start to see some of these businesses, say, say, uh, raise, uh, throw their hands up and say, we're not going to be able to uh, to, uh, to justify re- these kinds of headcounts. Some of them might even say that we can't justify having this type of uh, you know you know manage some of our debt requirements mm-hmm. and debt loans and which could lead to rising non performing loans which could lead to banks raising their uh you know the the amount of uh, cover or capital that they'll need to cover these loan provisions, loan loss provisions. You're seeing the banks weigh on things, but I, I think that the arguably the biggest loser in today's session isn't aren't the banks. Okay, they're 40 percent combined. Tell you me, it's Wilmar. Yeah. It's Wilmar International down by 10.9 percent, <laughs> 10. the most heavily traded today. Ouch! This agri food company was riding high and looking very strong, but it seems that they they have plunged in today's session, down by 10.9 percent, 944 million Singapore dollars in value turnover. Over a loan, pulling the stock down to four dollars and 33 cents a piece. This After grain trader Archer Daniels Midland said that they are planning to sell shares and bonds of Wilmar International at a combined value of 800 million Singapore dollars and that they are, that they have a 24.6% effective stake in Wilmar as of March 4. But after the sale, they're expecting to retain only a 20% stake. So 4.6% of Wilmar's shares are going to be sold off and this has pulled things down. I checked on the Bloomberg terminal just uh, earlier on today and uh, actually they highlighted that a block of 86 million shares in Wilmar International, uh, equivalent to about 4.1 percent of their free free float, had traded and had already been traded off at a market value of about 378.4 million Singapore dollars as of 10:05 Singapore time, and was priced at a 2.2 percent discount at four dollars and forty cents per share. But you can see that the share price has fallen even more uh, in the in in the hours succeeding. I can't confirm if this is connected to Archer Daniels Midlands uh, intended share sale of Wilmar. Or is it a reaction? It could be a reaction also. But I, I, mean, I, I think it's, it's fair to say that it might be related to that. I mean, you, you, if you see a block trade of this size and at that particular discount... Um, I'm sure that's part. It, it might be related, related in part to that, and maybe also just attracting other people from selling off on Wilmar. Nevertheless, it's fair to point out that the fundamentals of Wilmar are still very uh, promising. They, you know, this is a consumer staples company, mm-hmm. agri, uh, foodstuffs and food products, grains. They have picked up during the pandemic and continues to, and and continues to, uh, uh, you know, uh, promote Wilmar as a possible defensive hedge. Moving forward, well, and they have that is. share sale in in mainland China as well. That the IPO that they're planning, yeah, yeah,
0: it certainly is a essential commodity.
1: Yes, it is. It is. I, none I, of
0: us are going to stop eating anytime soon. Right. I, I think.
1: Hope. I think the bigger question here, and and um, we'll, we'll try to find out wha- find out later on, is why Archer Daniels Midland midland decided to do this why they decided to pare back their stake on 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 wilmar international perhaps they're also trying to scrounge around and trying to raise capital thus selling their stake some stakes some of their partial stakes uh you know some of their equity stakes to try and raise some much needed cash and this could just be a cash raise decision on the part of archer daniels midland which unfortunately is weighing on wilmar international shares
0: well it certainly is going to be one of the stocks that we will watch for the rest of today mm-hmm. This has been Market View on Money FM eighty nine point three. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined in the studio by finance presenter JP Ong, who will be back with another Market View at 405. Stay with us. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at MoneyFM 893sg